This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We got a, we have a business arrangement to talk about. Okay. Okay. So are you still thinking about hedging to any extent your 40 to 1, $500 Niners bet to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, uh, Mahomes is terrifying. I've gone this far without hedging a penny either of the first two games of the playoffs. And um, yeah, I, I think it would be really bad if my Niners lose and I don't get the twenty grand. So I was thinking about $5,000 on the Chiefs money line is where I was kind of settling at. So why don't you do 4000 and then give me 1000 of it? So right. basically the line I think is minus 115. What, what kind of line are you getting from the book? I don't know yet. I, I, I've had people shop around, but um, I, it's just been been changing. I, I don't know exactly yet. I don't know, but I do know some alternative lines. I've looked into that. Like I can get KC plus three and a half at minus one eighty. I've been more concerned about kind of thinking of those things, but um, yeah, I, I don't know exactly. But obviously, no vig's better than any. Right. Well, right, well, that's what I'm saying. So whatever vig you end up doing, just subtract like a thousand. So let's say like you end up getting it, you know, money line at you know, minus 120 or something like that. Right. I'll just give you minus 110. So it'll be my thousand against your 1100. I'll just cut it in half instead of against your 1200 from the book. Yeah. Makes okay. sense. Yeah. Uh, it cuts or, it in half. Yeah. or if it's like, you know, minus 115, I'll just make it my thousand against your 1075, whatever yeah. half is, I'll just cut yeah. off half. You know, we'll make the true odds. Basically we won't, we'll just yes. eliminate the middleman. I totally know what you're saying. Yes. You just split out the middleman. Yes. And make it even, but, but benefits both of us. Yeah. Right. And so are you in, are you good with that? And can I just not make any other bets? I'm in for a thousand. Yes. Locked in. Yes. Okay, good. For sure. And, and if yeah. I lose, I'll be pissed, but I'll send you the thousand. <laughs> yeah. I have to send you, you'll be more pissed than me. I guarantee. So right. Feel, All right. Right. Uh, it'll, it'll make it easier to send the thousand. I won't feel as bad about it. Yeah, never will you be. Yeah, on the other end of getting that, will be someone so pissed. Exactly. Right. So yeah, no, locked in. Sure, no problem. Right. Right. Okay. Done. Good. All right. That's what I want to handle. Now, the other thing I wanted to do is, I assume you have someone in Vegas, or, you know, placing some bets with. Uh, how are you? How are you doing the? the yes, rest? I know someone who lives in Las Vegas. Yeah, but if I do win, I, I shouldn't even talk about that. But I, I think I need to go there personally to, to cash that. But but yes, I'm, I would have someone hedge for me. Okay. That I know who lives. So then my next question is, I might want to throw in a couple hundred extra bucks with you, uh, if you don't mind. Um, I want to put $100 on Richard Sherman, if these are the odds. It's 80 to 1 at the, Super, at the uh, Westgate to win MVP. Sure. Okay. Yeah. No, why not? That's a, that's a good long shot. 100 bucks for 8,000 on Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman's always sort of the center of attention he just yeah yeah yeah. you like narrative for sure yeah exactly he's going to be talking these you know these previous two weeks leading up you know he's been talking a lot he he actually came out with some revelatory things about harbaugh taking him off the 49ers draft board supposedly Uh, you know he coached him in stanford made him forced him to to change positions from wide receiver like took away part of his scholarship and made him like practice at 6 a.m after surgery 
Uh, anyway, Sherman, Sherman's yeah, I, I like that. Eighty to one. It's not like the Niners have uh, you know guarantee. You know Brady, either quarterback usually right. tied with the Niners. It's not like that. So I can sure. see, I can see Bosa or D Ford getting pressure, hitting Mahomes, Mahomes throwing a duck, and Sherman returning to the house. This is how I see it playing out. Niners defense makes some plays, some pass rush offense runs rough shot over them for a while. It's like twenty three to three, thirty one to ten, and. The Chiefs make a run in the fourth quarter, but it's mostly garbage time. I mean, there's like a little bit of nerves, but the Niners get a few key first downs, win 37-26. That's what I have it. And the Niners could easily split their rushing attack this week, like very easily. You know, if Coleman comes back, it's not like necessarily going to be one guy, too. So, um, yeah, I like it. Sure, I can get you 80-1 to 1 on Richard Sherman for MVP. Okay, yeah, 100 bucks on that, please. Okay, all right. The, the other one I like kind of is Kittle at 18-1. to 1. I mean... That's pretty big for Kittle. Kittle's their best player, probably on the whole team. I mean, you could say Bosa, Sherman, Kittle, but Kittle's 18 to 1. Everyone knows Kittle's the best player. A lot of times they give the QB the MVP, not just because he's the QB, but because he's the player. He's the face of the team. But Kittle is kind of the face of this team. And if the Niners win and Kittle, you know, there's no, you know, the defense plays well, but Bosa has a sack, Sherman doesn't have a pick, some random guy's a pick. And Kittle has like eight catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. Kittle may win it. Oh, that's way too low. I haven't looked at these. That seems surprising. Usually these odds are like shorted. You know, they're not even like right. realistic and you don't. But to me, Kittle should be the number two Niner uh, favorite to win MVP. So that seems, yeah, that's weird to me in a pick em game. That's good. And the fact that he's been so quiet in the postseason, you know, it's almost like he's kind of ready to explode. I see this game going very differently than the Niners script, the first two playoff games, win or lose. So I like that one as well. Yeah. So I might put a hundred on Kittle also, but Definitely 180 to one. Eight grand. Could you imagine winning eight grand for nothing just because you put 100 bucks down on Richard Sherman? Yeah, that would be that would be nice. Yeah, I just sit on my Niners bet since July. You know, you'd have to do yours just a few days. That would be even nicer too. So, yeah, I like these uh, at the Niners. But man, you're just you, you you're still on the the San Francisco. You want to talk about your column, your your, your, your Twitter thread, uh, their defense, and I love it that the the main takeaway for me of all this is that you set of all the, I know, the stats I know gonna, you I settled know. with DVOA and you're just <laughs> revealed to everyone what a fraud you are, which I've known for years. So I'm just so happy that it's finally surfaced. But um, yeah, if you want to talk about Niners. D and obviously you just gave your prediction so you're you still like san francisco after digging a little deeper yeah i knew i was gonna have to face the music on using dvoa on this podcast it was inevitable so yeah i mean i, I don't really love dvoa and it's, it's not really dvoa's fault it's more just that these metrics are all shit right they're all these so like, convenient that's why i use it too yeah, which yeah. is a real it's just convenient man but yeah continue. It, it's all shit like you know everybody knows the giants defense against the Patriots in 2007 was like a really good defense. They held like, I think they were the second highest scoring all team of all time to 14 points in the Super Bowl under perfect conditions with Randy Moss at his peak and Brady at his peak. So the idea that, Oh, the DVOA says this was a mismatch or whatever. It's just, we know that's crap. It can't really, it's not as subtle as a human being, but the advantage it has over human being is it's not biased. Right. And it also doesn't have hindsight bias, which is, it's very easy to say after the giants, held them to 14 points that wow that giants defense was really good better than we thought you know if they if the giants lose 42 to 10 uh, we're not going to be saying that about that defense so that's a little bit of the problem but you know if you recall in the seattle denver super bowl where i was all in on seattle bet a huge amount bet it at alternate lines and was completely confident 
That game, I said it before the Super Bowl. And same with Denver, Carolina. I took Denver on this theory before the Super Bowl. So it's not all hindsight bias. I went through the data. I went through all the Super Bowls based on just defensive DVOA, which teams had a certain disparity in DVOA on the defensive side. And if the disparity crossed a certain threshold, which is 21 out of uh, the 36 Super Bowls or 33 Super Bowls since 1986 when they've been tracking DVOA, basically those teams not only just covered, but they beat the spread by about 4.7 points on average. And that included games where they failed to cover. So aggregately, the 11, 8, and 2, something like 21 games, 11, 8, and 2, and on average were 4.7 points better than the spread. Yeah, no, I mean, it seems, it seems good. Another thing I've come across is the sacks. Um, I guess teams with at least 55 sacks in the past 15 years in the Super Bowl or 6-0, and whatever. I don't know, but there's arbitrary. It's tough to come up with a perfect stat. But, um, but I'll, I'll, bigger... I'll take it further, though. The teams that really scored high were that, you know, Seattle team against Denver, the the Ravens killing the Giants, the Buccaneers killing the Raiders, even though they were underdogs in that 2002 Super Bowl. And the first team that actually counts against me, it was minus 17. They were favored by 14 and they lost by three was the Rams Patriots 2001. So the Rams uh, had a big DVOA defensive disparity over the 2001 Patriots. So when you think about the exception to the rule being that mm. the 2001 Rams didn't cover despite a much better defense then you start to feel even better about it because you're like, I never thought the 2001 Rams were that good of a defense. I thought they were a great offense, but I wasn't, sure. I wasn't like, oh, that defense is, is the reason they're in the Super Bowl. Apparently, they were better than the Patriots on both sides of the ball, although the Patriots actually gave up one fewer point than the Rams that year. Interestingly, the uh, Chiefs have given up two fewer points than the Niners this year. So that's a, 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 an odd parallel. But And the Niners have scored more than the Chiefs, and too. And 28 more than the Chiefs, which is just yeah. a weird thing. But there's strength of schedule, and there's you know lopsided games like that. That Saints game was a really huge over, and the Chiefs had kind of an easier schedule. But bottom line, the games that went against this theory were not even games that I would qualify. Some of them were like the Bears-Colts where the Bears defense gave up 100 points the last four games of the season. There's only one game where you could have a clear elite defense that did not cover. They failed to cover by only two and a half points. It was the Steelers-Cardinals in 2008. The Steelers only allowed 3.9 yards per play all year that year, and the Cardinals were kind of a bad defense, and that game you know, was obviously incredibly close. So that's The, the Bears, only... didn't someone get injured due to that yeah. Bears run at the end? Tommy Harris was the Defensive Player of the Year candidate, and he got out in like week 10 or 11, didn't come back, and the, the team gave up 100 points over its last four games, only made the Super Bowl because the Saints upset somebody, and it was Drew Brees in a snowstorm, crappy mm-hmm. weather game in Chicago, windy, and the Bears just kind of bludgeoned them. They were not... And that, that Cardinals team was like historically hot that whole postseason. You know, the one that took on that Steelers defense. I mean, that was, uh, and even that Steelers defense produced, you know, that pick six. Well, yeah, but that's, that was kind of lucky. I mean, the Cardinals only scored 23, but that was the one, that was an exception. It was a clear exception. It only, again, they won the game. They didn't cover by two and a half. So it wasn't like it's a huge thing, but that, that was a legit elite defense that didn't get it done. The Bears, I don't believe, were an elite defense at that time, and I definitely don't think the Rams. The other ones that failed were like the 98 Falcons against the 98 Broncos. To me, that seemed very sketchy as the Falcons. I don't remember being an elite defense. Again, some of it might be hindsight bias because had the Falcons crushed in the Super Bowl, we might think of them now as an elite defense. But that, that Falcons team beat was fourteen and two, and and yes. went on the road to beat a fifteen and one only for one reason in overtime because Gary Anderson yes. missed his only field goal yes, of the that's whole right. year. That's yes. right. The Moss, Chris Carter, Randall Cunningham. You know that was like the greatest show on turf. The original one, 
and then it was the uh, the Rams. But it's just crazy. I mean, Seattle, I was so sure would win that 2013 Super Bowl, and people are like, "Yeah, but so what?" That was Peyton Manning, you know. I mean, this is Pat Mahomes. This is a mobile quarterback, a whole different level of difficulty. Tyreek Hill, Kelsey. I mean, this is a whole different level. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah? Well, you know, that Broncos team has the record for points scored in a season. You know, it's, it's, not like, it's not like that team was chopped liver. You know, that team was like a ridiculous offense. All I got to say, though, is Mahomes. I mean, I love everything you're saying, believe me. But Mahomes, did you see that 27-yard touchdown run in yeah. the championship? Great. That was done by the NFL's best passer. I mean, that run was done by the NFL's best right. passer. Right? That, that is, that's a tough combo when you add in all these you know, sprint stars, Olympians on his team. And it's a pretty tough combo when you have Andy Reid have two weeks to prepare, too. It's, so it's, like, it's, the it's a challenge. Test. It's the ultimate you know, test I mean, of this theory. This theory is real. I was glad the Chiefs won because this is such a good test of this theory. I mean, again, Peyton and, and the, those Broncos are a pretty damn good test of the theory. And the theory passed with flying colors. But... This is a serious test, man. Andy Reid off the bye, twenty three and five against the spread, and and yeah, and all those guys. But you know, I think if you get heat, I think if you get heat on the QB, it doesn't matter who he is. Peak Brady, the Giants beat the shit out of him, yeah. and scored fourteen points. Peyton got absolutely overwhelmed. So that's the key to defense, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I believe Bosa led the NFL in quarterback hits uh, this year as a rookie. D4 is not going to be 100%, but obviously storyline there, him, him lining up offsides in the championship game, cost the Chiefs Super Bowl bid possibly last year. Um, I, I personally, as a Niner fan, what I want is Garoppolo to have to go off. I mean, Niners can, they have won this year in different ways, and now just everyone's treating him like he's by far the biggest, weak, weakest link you know, on the team over the throw eight times. But I, I fully expect him having to, to make some plays. It may result in a pick or whatever. But um, I want Garoppolo to, to have a good game, man, because uh, there's been some hate hate with him. But what, so you, you like the Niners, you like the defense. Uh, all right, I'm, all right. Well, no argument here. I, I picked them too. I haven't done the stat, seen the stat, stat picks, so they get posted. What well, I hope everyone didn't it's go up. on SF. Yeah, everybody's on. Everybody's uh, on. I'm the only one on the over. Everyone has the under. I, I think that the Niners are going to score a ton of points. I think the Chiefs will get kind of knocked on their ass. First of all, the first two both games the Chiefs played, they were not ready when the game started. Uh. And I think they're going to get knocked on their ass. And I think they will. I think it's going to be like the Raiders Bucks. Go, go look at the box score from Raiders Bucks in 2002. The Bucks just jumped all over them. And then the Raiders finally, you know, they were great offense. They started moving the ball, but it was too late. And I think Chiefs will score like 20 something points, but it won't be enough. That's still underrated. The fact they traded Gruden for whatever, a couple second rounders. And then he, you know, did that to them in the Super Bowl, like really as an underdog, knowing the plays or whatever. I mean, that pretty wild. Um, yeah, man, it should, it projects as well. One point spread and a 54 over under is pretty, uh, you know, on paper, it looks like it should be a, a good battle with those coaches. So we'll see. I'm nervous. The prices are just out of control. The tickets, like I entertain my niece lives, moved to Miami like six months ago. So I tried to say, hey, you know, free, free place to stay, but uh, man, tickets are out of control and uh, whatever. It's better to watch NFL games on TV anyway. So, um, yeah, you didn't have to hear me talk about how fun the championship game. Levi Stadium went from just totally dull to uh, put a put good product on the field, and it was loud and fun. But um, nice, nice back podcasting with you, Liz. I, I had to take a week off. I was sick. My wife didn't go to the championship game. She got so sick, so that sucked. And I'm a big, big wuss when it comes to sickness. So I hadn't had a cold in a while, but it finally cut up to me having a couple kids. But uh, how you been the last couple of weeks? I know you were fasting. Um, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I was fasting for a whole week, and... I went from 181 to about just under 170 that week. Wow. And, uh, wow. 
Wow. Yeah, it was pretty it's pretty crazy. I thought it was gonna be harder than it was. The weirdest thing about it was, you know, day three or four, you're kinda like you're kinda pissed that you're not eating. You're not really that hungry. You're just sort of like, the fuck, man? Like I, I work during the day, I take care of things around the house, I take care of my kid and like I wanna sit down and like have dinner, you know, like I wanna have a meal. I have a steak and some salad, potatoes, whatever it is I like to eat. And I'm just not allowed to do that. And it pisses you off because mm-hmm. you're, it's like, well, if I'm not eating, then what's my reward for the day? What am I, you know, where, where am I getting mine? You realize that so much of your life is like, oh, I get this little dopamine reward from eating something. And I'm a, you know, I love eating. I love food and how you like bribe your kids with food and how you were bribed as a kid with food and how much of your life revolves around at least me like shopping, cooking, going out to dinner, meeting friends for dinner and drinks, family, friends, you know, just eating is like the whole thing. It's the whole fucking thing. It's like the human race, like their job was to eat. Basically you had to build some shelter, I guess, but you're mostly like your job is to go get food. Every animal's job is to get food. And when suddenly you just don't have that job, it's it's very disorienting. I mean, you're like, you're sort of pissed. You're like, this is bullshit, man. Where's my reward for the day? And then you sort of, I sort of started noticing that. And then around day five, I just felt really good. And like day six, you know, there were times there were lulls. I was pretty good. And day seven, we came back from this, the country place that we rented and we stopped at this, one of these cheesy like climbing gyms, Sasha, just because we told Sasha we would go there. And so she's like climbing and Heather and I are sitting there, Heather's drinking a beer or a cider or something. And I'm sitting there drinking water and it's been a week since I've eaten. I'm, and in an hour we're about to go home and I'm about to break the fast. And Heather and I are just having a conversation and like both of us totally forgotten to- about the fact that I had not eaten in a week. It was just totally normal. I was just having a conversation. I wasn't so tired. I couldn't focus on what she was saying. I was clear completely. We're just having a normal conversation. And she was like, you're so normal. I cannot believe this, that you have not eaten for a week. It's very strange. Yeah, so the older I get, I'm with you as far as centering around food. My wife laughs because all I care about, no matter what we're doing, is just where we're eating on that trip, even if it's with kids or friends or whatever. All I care about is what the dinner destination more than whatever else we're doing. Um, that, yeah, that's, well, that probably reflects that you're healthy. You know, you have some good stored fat, um, but you sent me some YouTube clips to, you know, not necessarily skinny is better in, in all areas. And, uh, yeah, that probably suggests you are a pretty healthy person. And how, how's the five minute mile, uh, training coming? Well, I did one in 420, So I'm, I'm doing all Perfect. right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not timing myself yet because that would be a recipe for failure. What I'm doing, and I just finally, you know, I couldn't really, I ran on the Monday, but I couldn't really run much while I was fasting. So, um, I mean, I was like lifting up Sasha and like carrying suitcases up flights of stairs, but I wasn't like working out. But today I finally ran a couple, two and a half miles, just slow mostly. The last mile was a little quicker. And so I've got a plan on on Mondays and Fridays, I'm going to go to the track and sprint. And I probably talked about this a little bit, but I'll run the... We were running, two weeks ago, we were running the, I don't know if we talked about this in the last podcast, but I was running 50 meters at a, as fast as I could, basically. I did 50 meters at a six, 6.4 seconds. We, we cheated a little because we were allowed to have running starts, like not a, a sprinter start, like so you could jog a little bit, and then they would start the gun when you crossed uh, the starting line. But I did it in 6.4, which is a, actually a 4.740 time over 50 yards. But two things. One, you're at top speed for longer at 50 than you are at 40. And we got like sort of a jogging start, but still 
pretty fast, 6.450. And then we were running 100s at a four-minute mile pace. So you got to run 115 seconds to run a four-minute mile pace. Did that. And then uh, I ran a 100 at a five-minute mile pace, which felt like a breeze um, after that. It's like 18.75 seconds, 100 meters. After doing the 100 at the four-minute mile pace, the 100 at the five-minute mile pace felt easy, like I was gliding, just kind of taking big strides and gliding. And so I think next time I'll start to extend the the five-minute mile pace to 200, do a few of those, keep the short sprints, and maybe do another four-minute mile pace for 100. And then the Wednesday, that'll be Monday and Friday, and then Wednesdays I'll just be doing like two and a half miles. I do the first mile crazy slow just to warm up. And then the last mile and a half, and then the next half mile I pick it up a little bit, and the last mile... It's not full speed, but it's I'm pushing it a little, just a little bit. But I have a theory. My theory is it's like a frog boiling in water. You don't want to run and then like kill yourself and be so out of breath and suffering and pain. You want to just push just a teeny bit so it's like easy. You're going fast, a little bit faster than before, but you're you're barely breathing hard. I mean, you're taking deep breaths, but you're not out of breath. And the next time, you're just going to do the same thing, but just ever so slightly more. And pretty soon you're running a, a seven, a six and a half, a six, and you're not really hurting. It doesn't hurt. You don't even notice because it's incremental. And you're running sprints at much faster speeds, and you're out of breath from that, but you're catching your breath in between and then shortening the rest period. So I've got a plan. We'll see. We'll see how far it can take me. All right. We'll keep us updated. I do have to circle back with a few more fasting questions. Uh, 11 pounds seems extreme, but I guess fighters, that's nothing. Um, first, why did you do it? And second, like how good was that meal? You say you weren't starving, but I mean, was that meal a week later, like awesome or, or no? Well, no, because you can't just like eat a steak, right? Your stomach shrinks, right? Well, it doesn't shrink. You just don't have the enzymes. You, they, I was reading up on a lot, a lot of people are doing 21 day fasts. They're like, holy shit, you didn't eat for a week. I'm like, dude, that's like running a marathon. There's people out there running ultra marathons. You know, this is like, <laughs> right. that's just small potatoes. There's some dude died because he ate like a giant steak after fasting for 21 days. Oh, no. And like, so you're supposed to eat, you know, some vegetable soup. I, I ate some hard boiled eggs a little too. I think the thing that fucked me on day two is I ate this whole thing of gorgonzola cheese with, a, with, a, with like a, a pear, crispy pear. That sounds good. It sounded good to me, but yeah. I had to uh, take a break from my radio show mid show. Oh, no. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> I think the cheese didn't really go down. You know, yeah. gorgonzola, the, like the day after was was not a good call, but like me pounding goat milk on the way yes, to Phoenix. Exactly. <laughs> Luckily I was just in my, you know, my office, but so honestly, uh, I think that, you know, it took me like three days of eating vegetables and stuff. Just today, uh, I ate some meat. I had a steak and I had a burger earlier and now and that feels fine, but it took me a few days to get back up to it. So tonight was the first wine I had and I still haven't had coffee. I'll probably have one tomorrow. So I'm getting back into it, but it takes a few days. You can't just do your normal thing. Yeah, no, I bet not. I'm impressed. That's a long time. That shows good willpower. Um, frankly, it shows maybe you can do that minute mile deal because, right. you know, Be there's a lot of good willpower. Yeah, sure. Be scared. Here's two, th- two things you should fear from me. One, don't fear the guy running fast. Fear the guy running slow because that guy isn't measuring himself. That guy's just building it without, you know, not attachment to results, just the process of doing it. Fear the guy running slow, and I run slow. And fear the guy who doesn't eat for a fucking week. You know, on Saturday, uh, Heather had had plans with these people that I didn't, hadn't met before, uh, parents at Sasha's school. So we went to this place that they knew, and their, their gig is they are in 13 cities around the world, and they have locals do guides of food, tours of local food, not like the fancy, 
you know, thing that's in every guidebook, but like the, you know, like the hole in the wall, out of the way places. So we went to a place near us in, in the country where they had this giant lamb. It was like this grilled lamb with potatoes. And I had to sit there and watch all of them eat that shit. Oh, Days, lamb is so good, too. And it was crispy. It had crispy. It was, oh. And Heather's like, this is so good. I can't believe you're sitting here like this. And I just sat yep. and watched the whole thing, drank some sparkling water. Man, lamb and duck are like the two meats I just love so much. Uh, I love gamey food like that. So, uh, willpower is pretty impressive list. Um, Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cashback or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. All right. Well, we got to talk about Kobe. I mean, have any thoughts on Kobe? I mean, obviously, it's, it's horrible and just so shocking. Like, I really can't even think of, like, a uh, whatever bigger celebrity death, like, what, JFK or whatever? I mean, what? JFK it, is bigger. <laughs> I mean, right? Well, since then, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, since then. I mean, really? What, well, has there been one bigger I mean, since? Yeah, of course. I mean, like, Martin Luther King, JFK. Yeah. I mean, major. My time, maybe my my lifetime yeah. that I can remember. Certainly, I, I can't John, think of John one. Lennon was pretty huge. That's yeah. kind of before your time. But I was only, like, 10. I didn't really know exactly who he was. Maybe I was nine. But it's pretty big. And I think it's it, it really made everyone kind of sick. It was, so it was, to me, it was the most similar it was was Jose Fernandez in a way. But Kobe's a way bigger sports figure than Jose Fernandez. And he was just like a more mature man. You know, he was just a – and he wasn't like wasted on his boat. You know, he was just taking care of his kids. And the other thing about Kobe, I think that it made everyone so sick. And I always rooted against Kobe. Like I hated the Lakers. I didn't like Kobe. I was a Knicks fan, and when I and I would root for the Kings in the you know Sacramento Kings, and I'd root for the Spurs, the Suns over them, the Pistons, anybody basically. But the thing about Kobe was, I just I, he was just such a success in life, right? He was not just was he like you know a top twenty all time basketball player, maybe higher. But like the guy was running businesses, he was like shot a documentary. He uh, won an Oscar. Right? Yeah, I mean, he was he was like you know charismatic. He, he seemed like a great dad. He was just like had his shit together. You know, he was like a powerful person. And I think it was jarring. Some people love Kobe, some people didn't. But I think it was especially jarring to see somebody who kind of had his shit together. You know, that dude was not eating fucking Doritos. I guarantee you that. That dude was like at peak health. everything was was going his way and he just i mean he was very unlucky and and horrible and obviously his daughter i mean his daughter you see his daughter daughter's like a beautiful kid amazing at basketball not that that makes it like anyone's daughter is like obviously you know they feel that way about their daughter but like how much promise did that kid have and the other crazy thing is did you hear the story of why he took a helicopter everywhere yeah, just to beat the traffic and basically spend time with his kids so he could train as hard as usual and yet not miss family time, right? Right. So he basically missed like one of his kids' like recitals or something because he was stuck in traffic. And so you know he was rich enough to be like, fuck it. I'm just going to get a helicopter, and he, yeah. and he did. 
And it's two things about him. I think like, and I also heard someone else describe him as like one of these dudes who thought he could bend the universe to his will. And I feel like that sometimes, but I'm not, you know, I don't have that much success. <laughs> so I'm not like as, you know, but I'm feeling that more and more like, yeah, you know, I can get, make things happen, make things go my way. But it's partly why he was sort of probably just, uh, you know, helicopter is more risky, but you know, I, I'm, I'm going to make this happen. I'm just going to get this done. And then also just says like how horrible the LA traffic is. I mean, it's so I horrible. Know. I left. I, it's just, nobody should be, should be tolerating that. And he's in that respect, he was just like, dude, I'm not going to spend my life sitting in a car. And cause he would have to choose, right? He couldn't play at the level he did. I mean, Kobe's not LeBron. Kobe isn't gifted. I mean, Kobe's gifted. Like obviously, you know, he's gifted, but like, he's not gifted like with LeBron's body or Shaq's someone with Kobe's build had to kill themselves to be a top 20 or top 15 all-time NBA player. You know, you can't just Shaq, like I'm sure Shaq work hard, but like if you have Shaq's build, it's, you know, you're going to be an amazing NBA player. LeBron, I'm sure he works his ass off and he does to be this durable for this long and this great, but LeBron's build is just like ridiculous. But Kobe was like six 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 seven two fifteen. There's like, that grows on trees in the NBA. So, you know, for him, it's like, he had to work his tail off at, at a level beyond anything and to do that and spend time with his kids. LA traffic was just not a, it's just not an option for him. You know, he was just like, this is not a realistic option. I love it. Liz has the Mamba mentality. That's what you live by yourself. I wish you know? no, like, I'm, yeah, trying. No, I'm trying, man. Yeah. I'm trying. I, you know, it sounded like he had that. As, like when I was younger, I absolutely was, would put short term enjoyment over long term you know, I had a, what they say in the uh, Bitcoin world, uh, I had a very high time preference. I wanted what I wanted now. Uh, and I didn't have a, I didn't have a low time preference. Which is I want to get what I want, but I, I can wait. And it sounded like Kobe had a low time preference, even when he was young, which is incredibly rare to be 19, 20 and have like a work ethic like that, where there was a story with him and Allen Iverson as rookies. And Iverson said that they, Kobe took him out to dinner when they, when the Sixers were playing in LA and after dinner, Kobe's like, what are you up to later? And Iverson's like, oh, I'm hitting the club. And Iverson's like, what are you up to? He's like, hitting the gym. You know, because he was like 20 years old and he was the shit. I mean, Kobe in the you know late 90s in LA was like, could have had like a, a six-way menage every single night if he wanted. And that dude's like hitting the gym. You know, obviously there's other shit in his past. He wasn't a total saint. His work ethic, uh, he's the closest thing to, to Jordan for me as far as like competitor. Like, yes, I mean, right. not, I don't mean yes. best, but I just mean the, the one right. actual competitiveness where they'll just do anything no matter what they're playing, right. they must win. To me, it's Kobe and MJ and then everyone else. So, right. I mean, the things that's, yeah, those are good stories you said. Another one I heard recently is I guess he beat Jerry Stackhouse when he was a 16 year old in Philly and Stackhouse was a grown man in the NBA and they went and played one on one and he, Donham Stackhouse was a badass too. Right. Uh, my memory of Kobe is the four air balls when you know Shaq fouled out of that elimination playoff game in Utah. He air balls one at the end of regulation and then three more in overtime. Like who's an eighteen year old just willing to fire like that? And I guess he was they flew back to LA and he was in the high school gym that night, the very night getting back from being eliminated at four straight air balls. I guess six months later, he's starting the all-star game as a nineteen year old. I mean it's yeah, just out of control work ethic and really sad and you the daughter, I mean, I guess was just an absolute baller too. And um, Do you see video of her playing. Do you see? Yeah. And, and the footage of him, you know, directing, talking on the sideline, yeah. pointing out plays. It's just, yeah. it's heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. 
Yeah, it's pretty horrible. So I, I, you know, very few people are driven like that from that age. Yeah, Jordan was one of them. And did you see that overlay where uh, Kobe and Jordan are showing like all these shots? And like, there's, like Kobe basically, he must have yeah. modeled his game after Jordan. Totally because the elbow. It was everything they did. They showed like 10 shots where it started with Jordan and then they just switched it to Kobe. And it was like one frame. It was like one person doing the same shot. It was pretty crazy. Just shocking though i mean it's still so crazy to wrap well, your head around well, I, th- I think i think one of the things that really shocked people was you know people die every day and a lot of people are like well why are you making such a big deal this famous star you know why are we getting so caught up in this when the green grocer probably had a heart attack yesterday and no one cares but i do think not only did everybody watch kobe play basketball for a long time and overlap with so many people's lives but i think it just if kobe can get killed all of us right killed. 41 like, in his pr- prime still strong, like you, you said how, how how in shape must he have been uh, right yeah a well-adapted person completely into the world like a completely well adapt like adapt i'm talking about like evolution adapting to your environment i mean who's better adapted than that guy yeah we're all trying to adapt as best we can or avoid as the case may be and for somebody who's that fit in his environment that's who survived survival the fittest and for him to be able to be killed so you know arbitrarily like that you know you you know your number can come up just as easily at any moment i think that i I know that's a selfish way to look at it but i do think that's what's driving a lot of the just total shock is like wow like if if it could happen that could happen to him yes any any of us certainly me certainly me exactly i'm definitely in not better shape or better don't have my shit dialed in that well so you know that's that's part of it, I think. For sure. Um, all right, I do have a couple political things to throw at you, but before that, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, just to see your reaction because I, I think it's going one way when others think another. But Jason Garrett, the new offensive coordinator, Freddie Kitchens on the Giants staff, uh, <laughs> people people love uh, poking you on Twitter. And I think that, that that actually upset you even more than the hirings themselves. I don't really care that much. I mean, you know, Jeff Fisher wasn't available. Like, what's, what's going on? <laughs> um, nice. But but the point, you know, we, we need a defensive coordinator. Now, as long as they're not the head coach, it's not a big deal. Kitchens actually did a pretty good job with Baker Mayfield as a rookie. And Garrett might be a decent quarterback's coach, for all I know. And so I, I'm not going to sweat it until it happens. You know, the fact that someone else is a head coach, this you know, random Joe Judge guy who I know nothing about, that – that's better than, you know, I'd be really, obviously Freddie Kitchen wasn't getting hired as a head coach ever again, but you know, the fact that Garrett's just the offensive coordinator doesn't, it doesn't stress me out that much. Yeah. All right. I, I know, I know it didn't, but people definitely wanted your thoughts on the issue. But, they, wa- uh, they wanted me to like, you know, they think they can just push a button and whatever, but I can't fake it. I can't fake the outrage. <laughs> you have anything on, on your mind this week? Listen, you want to, t- to touch? Uh, a couple things. Um, one thing was Tulsi Gabbard made a tweet that I uh, commented on, which was talking about how, you know, this whole healthcare debate. Yeah. I think if you get into an accident or you just have really bad luck and you have cancer or something, of course you should be treated. I think people should be treated for free with excellent treatment. I don't. I'm not really a, a socialist entirely. I'm. I don't, I don't want to label myself, but I'm like mostly sort of live and let live. I think people should be able to make money if they add value to society. And I don't think people should all have the same amount of money by any means. I think that's a, a very corrosive thing. I think if you're adding value, you should be rewarded for that. But at the same time, I think if you get into a car accident or something, you should be treated properly and it shouldn't depend on how much money you have. But that's like 10 to 20% of the cost, maybe less. The, the whole cost that's sucking up this thing is one corporate greed where things cost 20 times more 
than, than they have to. I mean, I get treatment for stuff here. Sometimes it's dirt cheap. You can't believe it's like sometimes like 10% to 3% of the cost of things in the U S. And then secondly, it's prevention, man. I mean, you can't just fucking eat Doritos and seed oils and the corporate food that's in the aisle of the supermarket, Triscuits and Oreos and shit all the time and just eat whenever you want. Never fast, eat as much as you want, eat at McDonald's and just dump yourself on the healthcare system and say, Hey, I've got diabetes. Like, you know, what am I supposed to do? Look, it's hard to blame people. This food is engineered by scientists to be addictive. It, you know, it's easy to get sucked into it, but, and, and the authorities are lying to you. They're telling you that, you know, that this is okay for you or these crackers are not bad for you or whatever. But so I understand it's not the person's fault, but I think now that we have social media, we can bypass the official sources and the, the lying that's going on, the American Heart Association, all these American Cancer Society, all this shit where they're just like spokespeople for the status quo. People need to fucking take care of themselves, man. I mean, that's 80% of it. And we should be talking about how to just encourage people to take care of themselves. I think if you have a, a problem, it should be fixed. But we need to discourage people from just neglecting themselves. And also these companies hold them accountable to some extent. I mean, they should be allowed to sell it, but there should be disclosures and and it should be like, this stuff will give you fucking diabetes if you eat it. This stuff will spike your blood sugar. We should just make it more clear that the corporate food and a lot of these medical treatments that are just designed to treat and not cure people, doctors should say, listen, you have diabetes, you can, you can take these drugs, or you could just fucking fast and like stop eating carbs. Doctors should say that that should be the first line of defense. You know, it's just to break these addictions. And so, I don't know, it might sound harsh, but this whole problem is, is completely solvable just people just need to understand how to eat, how to live that we just have to have this as like in schools even. I mean like it's just fucking obvious. And instead they're going the other way. They're telling people not to eat meat. They're telling people to eat these soy fake burgers. They're going to make people even sicker. And it's for corporate profits for these, these soy things cost nothing to produce. They're pure profit and they're going to cause more profits for the healthcare system and more deficits for the government. It certainly took me far too long, nearly 37 years to wake up and try to live the preventative type lifestyle like you're suggesting. But um, I'm I've landed there finally. And uh, did you see like two weeks ago, Trump uh, basically rolled back all of Michelle Obama's school nutrition guidelines for the school and just totally removed all that. So I'm sure um, I'm sure those guidelines were bullshit, though. I'm sure they were like, that's eat, eat less meat and eat soy. I mean, soy is a fucking scourge. Soy oil. Yeah, it was a lot of vegetables. Brain damage. I know. I was, yeah, yeah, vegetables the, are good. Vegetables are good. The school pyramid was like literally upside down, right? Yeah, like there the grains. They were trying to tell you yeah. all these grains, refined grains. I mean, you know, it's all shit, you know, because they're, they're getting it from the corporate sources. I mean, you know, if you go on Twitter and you look around a little bit and you're a little bit judicious about, you know, who's lying and who's not, follow this guy, P.D. Mangan, he's pretty good. You, you learn quickly what's legit and what's not. And I don't want to get into the whole, I, I think you can be vegetarian and be perfectly healthy if that's something that's important to you. Eat a lot of eggs, eat a lot of cheese, um, eat a lot of um, you know, fermented foods. I think you can get all, all the nutrients that you need being vegetarian. Vegan, maybe it's possible. I wouldn't know how to do it. I wouldn't recommend it, but maybe some people have it dialed in and they've they figured it out. But it's not really as much about that. It's much more about avoiding the shit the the uh the seed oils and the refined grains and the uh sugars the excess sugars i mean just avoiding the bad shit is sort of more important than like what philosophy you subscribe to in terms of you know i i haven't eat a lot of meat and i and a lot of fat i think that's better but 
I'm not, I'm not going to argue with a vegetarian who has it, eats vegetables and eggs and, you know, feels like a million bucks. So there's no bread that can be good for even like homemade, like that's still refined, right? Like there's no way in any, in any shape or form bread could be not bad for you. Uh, well, you know, Heather was making this, um, sourdough that's, you know, had a starter, like had a living, uh, fermented dough starter. And then it was with einkorn wheat, which einkorn I think is the oldest, uh, strain of wheat. It's like, you know, 10,000 years ago. It's not one of these GMO bread ones or even, it hasn't even been bred, I think, by people. It's just one of the original ones. And so, and it wouldn't rise very much. It was this kind of like short, hard, brownish bread, but it was delicious. It was really sour. And I put this like delicious French salted butter on it, like to slather it with butter. And I loved it and it would come out of the oven hot. So I thought that was pretty good. I don't know if that, it might not have been great because it still had some gluten, not much though. And it's still a, a grain, but it's better than most. One thing I'm learning, and that was kind of an old school thought, was fiber. Fiber is very, very good for you uh, as well. So I'm trying to get more of that from, from not necessarily, fruits. not necessarily, not necessarily. Like, I'm uh, really okay. How so? Explain to me then, because the most of the stuff I'm reading is that fiber is is good if you get it from like kiwi, you know, like fruits and and and, and beans or whatever. Uh, beans have some anti nutrients, um, some things that block absorption of minerals, uh, and uh, unless you soak them. And then, uh, and, and some people have trouble, they're trouble digesting them. They're a little uh, harsh on the system. They have, I think, lect- lectins, look it up. And then kiwis are, are good. I mean, they have vitamins and fiber, but you know, they're pretty high in sugar, I think. Maybe medium in sugar, kiwis. But like fruit, people think fruit's good. Most fruit is not very good for you. It's just, it's just candy, mostly. I mean, it's better than candy, but it's, it's got a, you know, a lot of it has high glycemic load. Berries mm-hmm. are pretty good. I've been eating, I've been reading up on resistant starch, which is like a baked potato that cools in your fridge or even rice that's cold in your fridge. It, the uh, starch is resistant and you can't digest it. And so it goes, it doesn't get digested from your stomach. It doesn't, you don't absorb many of the carbs and it goes to your lower intestine where the good bacteria, uh, mm. feed on it and proliferate and, are, and, you know, take care of your, improve your digestion. The other thing you can do is green bananas, not the ripe yellow with the black spots that are super sugary, but you get them green and those things are indigestible fiber. They're, um, they're indigestible, uh, resistant starch. So that's another thing that's good, but be, be wary of the fruit people, you know, the first, I mean, it's better to eat fruit than total junk food, but people are eating like mangoes and watermelon and smoothies and they think, Oh, I'm eating healthy. No, no, no. I know. I know. No, no. There's a lot of sugar, but that's literally my only sugar intake right now is, is that, but no, I, 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 I totally hear you. I, fiber. Other one I've been going with a lot. was nuts. So I have like a lot of macadamia and, uh, almonds as you guys would call them, um, is, is well, but, um, interesting. What about brown rice versus white rice? White really rice. Conflicting things. So I there is a rice. difference, right? I mean, no grains are great. I think r- white rice is the least harmful of the grains, in my opinion, because it's the most... Oh, you're interesting. You're saying white rice is better than yeah. brown. So that's conflicting than most of what I read. So Yeah, that whole yeah. grain shit, you know, you, you, when you eat brown rice, I already feel as soon as I'm eating it, like, there's this, like, infl- inflammation expanding in my gut. It's just so, like, grainy, whereas the white rice is more benign. It spikes your sugar. I mean, it's got more, uh, it's just pure carbs, but it goes through your system kind of clean. So I would say the white rice is better in my opinion. Yeah. And then I like beets and cauliflower. I've been a lot of, of those, but, um, good. I mean, everything's, everything's a little in context. I mean, some people, I know. And and if you look at it too much, you're going to not end up being able to eat anything, you know? I mean, honestly, like, I mean, even the, I I am taking the fish oil to supplement too. I did, I did get some of those. So, uh, but, um, yeah, it sounds like, 
I've just mainly tried to cut back on the sugar as much as right. possible. Other than that, there's fruit. three things you cannot have is lots of refined sugar. I mean, even any kind of sugar. I mean, you have to limit that. If you have fruit, have a little bit of fruit. It's fine. But sugar in any form, grains, refined grains, gluten is not great. And then uh, seed oils. Those are the three things. And if you avoid those three things, then again, like whether you eat some beans or nuts or, you know, some people again have nut issues and they might also have nut issues, but they have uh, allergies to nuts and nuts have anti-nutrients if you don't soak them and this and that. But I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of at the margin, like just avoid the three things, lots of sugar, lots of grains and, uh, and the seed oils, number one, avoid those. Makes sense. And then the other interesting thing you, you think uh, you, whatever retweeted on Twitter, uh, the avoidance of sun exposure is a risk factor for death of similar magnitude as smoking. Now this one I am guilty of someone working from home. And I don't think Steve jobs said, and one of his, you know, main things on his deathbed is get sunlight. So yeah, that's something that I'm uh, certainly guilty of not getting enough of these fucking people. It's just like the, the diet and stuff. Oh, we have all these healthcare problems. Well, they tell people not only to avoid the sun, but to slather on this poisonous. Yeah, bullshit. I love that. Yeah, I know that's I mean, yeah, totally so, bullshit. So it's been kind of cloudy here, so I haven't gotten much sun either. But as soon as it gets nice, which will be like in March or April, I sit on my balcony with my shirt off for half an hour, no lotion or anything. And I'm pretty fair skinned, so I can get burnt, but I usually don't get burnt. And then, you know, if I go to the beach, I'll go for an hour, 40 minutes, whatever. If I start to feel like I'm getting burnt, I put a shirt on, put a hat on. You know, I don't put lotion on, I just cover up. And I will only very rarely put lotion on if I'm like out in the ocean for like four hours. You know, I know there's, you know, I don't want to wear a hat in the ocean all day. So I just, but it, I would so rarely use that stuff. No, for sure. I know we've, we've heard the rant. I'm with you blocking that vitamin D is no good. So uh, your body will let you know if you're getting too much of it naturally. Right. right. Well, that's, that's the, the nice problem, right? That's, that, that's how we evolved, right? You burn to say, okay, too much. If you short circuit that mechanism with the lotion, not only you're poisoning yourself, but you don't know what else you're getting from the sun in, in too high of a dose, and then you're not getting the stuff that you need in the dose you need it. So yeah, that shit is it's garbage. No. Um, any other political thoughts? I've seen Biden in a couple clips getting physical with people. He might be losing it a little. But uh, do you have any any recent thoughts? We haven't talked to you in a couple weeks. I think Bernie. I don't think Bernie can be stopped. I mean, they're going to try to stop yeah. him. And they're going to play dirty, yeah. but. He's the only one with support, you know. I mean, Tulsi, Yang, and Bernie—they're the only three real candidates. Tulsi looks like she's being frozen out; it doesn't have enough. So, I could see her throwing her support behind Bernie. Yang still has some support, but those are the only people who actually have real support. Everybody else—it's like an identity politics thing, or a, they saw it on TV, or they saw an ad. I, I just feel like these people have grassroots knocking on doors, and that shit's real. And the Democratic Party's panicking because. That is their worst nightmare. And here's my prediction. A lot of people disagree with this. But if it is Bernie, and they will move mountains to prevent it from being that, but if it is Bernie and they can't stop him, you will see the cable news media and the New York Times and the Washington Post. It already happened. New York Times had one article already saying this. They'll say, yeah, Trump is, he's a bad person, and and we, we certainly aren't happy that he's our president, but Bernie's ideas are so radical that we're not going to endorse Trump, but it's the safer way to go. You're going to see them pivot and actually prefer Trump to Bernie. That's my prediction. Yeah, they, I think they had two endorsements, and yeah, neither were, were Bernie. So, yeah, okay, all right, I'll look out for that. And I wouldn't be surprised at all, given how they've, they've been. So, uh, yeah, that all, that's interesting to see. Um, what are your thoughts on Bernie? I mean, I know you liked him you know, last go-around, but would that be so bad? Or, or what are your thoughts now? 
So I got a couple. Like one is I think Bernie's a good person. Like I really think he's legit. He's the real thing. He believes what he says, which is incredibly rare for a politician. And so I would, you know, if if he's the guy, I mean, Tulsi was my first choice, but if he's the guy, I would I would definitely vote for him. But I don't really agree with his policies, and I think the focus is a little wrong. I think that the biggest problem. My friend owns Apple stock. Okay, I sold mine like an idiot because I listened to these nutless monkeys who were like, Trump's going to destroy the market. And I was up 50% since his election. So May of 2017, I was like, all right, I'll take some profits. Okay, well, now Apple is, it's gone up 111% in the last year. And uh, it's only 9% revenue growth, but the stock's gone up 111%. So what's going on? Well, they're buying back so much stock. And what's happened is all this Fed printing money has distorted the economy so much. And my friend, who's a professor at a, at a community college where you know, a lot of his students are, are poor, he made all this money. You know, Apple, stock, Apple goes up, and he's like, dude, I'm making so much money doing nothing because Apple, my Apple stock has doubled in the last year. Okay, <laughs> Think about a world where, and he says, you know, my students, he's like, they could not even understand how unfair it is. They, don't even, they know because they can look around them and see it. But imagine a world where you're working a job for 12, 15 bucks an hour in a shit place under crappy conditions and it's like serious work and you're busting your ass to get, you know, make, you know, 20, 30,000 a year, 35,000 a year. And there's some dude who happened to buy, you know, who happened to have more money than you. And that's fine. Maybe that dude, you know, worked his ass off and added value to other people. That's fine. I have no problem with that. But because he had that money, he was able to buy some Apple stock. And Apple just doubles for no reason, and that dude made you know hundred grand doing nothing, absolutely nothing. Now it would be one thing if you say, "Well, come on, man, he's he's providing capital for Apple to create great products for everybody to use, so he's providing a service with that capital that he earned." No, that's not what's happening. What's happening is Apple only grew nine percent, so they're not providing that many more products than they were a year ago. But because the Fed is printing so much fucking money in this repo market and in mm-hmm. other means that there's nowhere for this money to go except in the assets. And it's just artificially boosting the shit out of these companies. And so people who own stocks are getting rich, not because they're providing capital for the growth of society, but just because they're basically print their socialism for the rich. They're just giving this money to people who own shit. And, but what do you do? You got to still, I mean, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game, right? I mean, you own some <laughs> stocks. I mean, whatever I'm making money, but it is so fucked up. This is the main problem. It's not because capitalism is bad or all that's all fucking bullshit. And I hope they don't go there. And AOC sometimes goes there. And I, I think, no, the problem is crony capitalism is bad and socialism for the rich is really bad. And that's what we have. And I think that's the real driver of inequality more than anything. And they're not talking about it. And so that worries me. So I like Bernie. I think Tart's in the right place and definitely vote for him over Trump. Definitely vote for him over the warmonger, neolibs, and neocons. So that's how I feel about him. Would you be selling stock then now because you think this is a bubble that's going to burst inevitably? Okay, so that's the question that uh, I've been talking about with my friend. And, and, and this is not an easy answer, but I would say that the economy is fake, right? It's a financialized economy. Apple's bought back $390 billion worth of stock in the last seven years, which is worth more than 490 of the 500, Fortune 500 companies. They've just done stock buybacks, jacking up their shares with this extra money that's being printed. And I kind of feel like this is a bubble, but as long as the Fed keeps printing more money, um, it's not going to burst that way. You can, if you're going to fight the Fed, you're going to lose, right? It's, it's, like, it's kind of like saying... Um, I think pitchers are worth the most in fantasy baseball. 
And so I'm going to take a pitcher in the first round. And then, you know, it's like 12 years ago, everyone waits on pitching. And the second pitcher's taken in the fourth round. Even if you're right, you're wrong, right? Right. So you can't fight the market. You can't say, well, I'm right. These pitchers are worth more. I'm right. Apple's only grown 9%. It shouldn't have gone up 111%. Well, as long as the Fed keeps printing money, that it's going to keep going in the stock market. So yeah, yeah. what are you going to do, short Apple? I, I shorted Facebook a very little. I bought a put on Facebook. That was $900 I threw in the garbage. <laughs> you know, and Because and, I thought, yeah, this is a bubble and Facebook's a bullshit company. But you know, it turns out this bubble it can last a lot longer, you know, than, than the length of the put that I had. So I think eventually something's going to give and it's going to be either inflation when they, when, if Bernie gets elected and they start printing money for colleges and Medicare and, and they don't lower prices or beat down the profiteers and, and we just pay for everything. We just print more money and get into debt. Eventually there'll be inflation on not just assets, but steak and, and vegetables and milk and all that shit. We'll finally have real inflation or Bernie won't win because they'll pull some really dirty trick and you might have some, you know, unrest. You know, if they do it again, when the people know that they're being ripped off and they can see how much easy money there is for everybody else, but you don't own assets, so you're not getting it, there may be violence. So that's one way it could go, and that's obviously bad. And then I'm not sure, and maybe there's another way where the Fed keeps lowering rates and printing money, but stocks stop going up because there's just, it's just, it's like it, it stops working. You know, the mechanism is broken. They've just printed so much. But I'm not sure how it resolves, and I'm not sure when it resolves, but I, I, I don't know. I think it's a very tough call right now because you want to stay invested because it's going up, 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 and it's free money. But at the same time, you know that something's got to give pretty soon. But cash is very dangerous too because if they print money, your cash could be worthless also. So it's, there's, there's, one, there's one asset I know of that I feel comfortable with, and you can't put all mm-hmm. your money in it because it's too new and too, too many unknowns with it. Right. Well said. Nice, gloomy, and unclear outlook. Yeah. But um, yeah, makes sense. Dude, if I knew what the outlook was, I wouldn't be wasting time with your ass. I'd be yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, yeah totally. All right, man. Let's get out of here. Good stuff. Been a couple weeks. Um, a couple things before I let you go. Just Curb. If you haven't seen the premiere of that, was uh, there've been two of them now, but the first one was awesome. Him using a, a MAGA hat to be a social pride. Heard about Jeff that. looking. Yeah. Jeff looking like Harvey Weinstein's is so good. Um, a couple other things. I finally watched. Roadhouse, the movie Roadhouse with someone named Dalton. Oh yeah, been in Florida too, sleep. and yes, exactly. And I, I you know, I, 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 it was hard to find streaming, and I finally found it on a DVR. And what a film! I mean, just fantastic. Wow. The plot. I, shame on me for living so long without being named Dalton and not what what a, what a what someone to live up to though. Wow. Fantastic movie. I, Roadhouse. I won't say I won't say this is a family podcast, obviously. But I won't say this. One of the greatest lines. Ever. One of the greatest disses from yeah. the the, the, yeah. the bad guy says to Patrick Swayze. Do you remember yes, that? In yes. prison. It's one of the best <laughs> yeah. lines I've ever heard. Yeah, it's a classic. It's yes. unbelievable. The prison line. It's the best, one of the yeah the, one of the greatest disses and, and shit talkings I've heard. Right. Um, all right, and you can go to my Twitter. I did finally post my year end list for for TV. It's an eclectic group. So if you guys want to hit me up uh, backstage on that, um, and the main reason I bring that up actually is after posting it and being sick last week, so many people have implored me to watch Dark. And oh yeah, because Dark. I was sick. I was able to to go through two whole seasons because you have to pay attention because of the 
the subtitles and wow, what a fantastic show. Uh, hard to follow, but and, and out there with time travel, but super entertaining. Did you watch season two? Yes, yeah, it's really good. I, and yeah, I, yeah, I, no, I love the, I love the soundtrack. I love the soundtrack they have. The acting, the score is so good. Yeah, the soundtrack, the score, and like the songs are really good. No, yeah. totally good. There's some Fever Ray on there. No, totally with you. I'm glad that you you pushed me to watch it as other people did, and I finally caught up. And uh, yeah, Dark, highly recommend. So so yeah, check out my year end list there for TV and uh, I know the Oscars. So I, I forwarded to Heather. You and Heather have a lot in common on it. So she she was commenting on it. So she I, I actually did see that. And one last thing, I did a podcast yesterday with Ted Bell the infamous Ted Bell politics one. Um, and I don't know, he's probably going to post it. He's going to post it somewhere soon. It's not that long, like half an hour, but we chatted for a bit. So I wanted to give that a a mention. Oh, I'll definitely be checking that out. It's called the uh, shared, shared interest podcast is the podcast. So awesome. All right, cool. I'll be checking that out. All right, man. Good times list. Uh, yeah. Nice chatting and uh, go Niners, man. We're going to be a lot richer. You're going to be sending me, you know, a thousand seventy five or whatever it is. You're going to get about 18 grand or whatever in profit, 15 grand. And we're going to be very happy a week from now, right? Uh, Come on, Jimmy G. Yes, go Niners for sure. All right, man. Take it easy. All right, later.